Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. I think he knows full well that his future is dependent on what happens in Ukraine. I don't see him admitting that he made a terrible mistake here and pulled all his troops out. Certainly there's insiders and elites that probably unlikely have come to that conclusion, but they're not going to say that publicly. I think Putin is going to stay in the fight because he realizes his survival and his regime's survival is tied to it. So that's General Jack Keane doing some instant analysis on the fast-developing news over the weekend, but there's nobody better in the country to talk to than who's in our studio right now. If you're smart enough to get Fox Nation, you see the former Secretary of State, the 66th Secretary of State of the United States, Condoleezza Rice. Uh, now she's running everything at the Hoover Institute and a senior fellow on public policy. Great to see you. Nice to see you, too. It was so right? nice of you to give us some time, and yeah. how fortuitous for me that yeah. this what Russia... A, what a day. Oh my, <laughs> yeah. Out of everything that you've studied, you're, you're a... That was your focus in college and your yeah. master's, Soviet, Soviet Union. Right. And then it fell apart and made it a little bit more challenging. <laughs> so your thoughts about what took place over the weekend, the biggest surprise for you? Well, the biggest surprise for me is that uh, if our intelligence agencies knew something was brewing among the Wagner group, and apparently we did, then the Russians must have known, too, that something was brewing. They have moles inside of all of these groups. Why didn't they do something to head it off? Why did it get to the point that you had Prigozhin on social media and on television talking about marching on Moscow? And how bad a war this and is how and how war. there are no Nazis here. Right. Well, that's probably the most, most damaging thing that he did is Putin has had this uh, narrative that this is a just and necessary war because of the West and the Nazis in Ukraine and so forth. And Prigozhin, one of his closest allies, just blew that up. And said, no, we could have negotiated with our brothers in Ukraine. Uh, We didn't have to lose all of these people. And now Putin needs to answer for that, too, because that's been an unspoken uh, view all around Moscow. Uh, Putin started this war thinking it would be over in five days. It would never touch the lives of people in Moscow. It's touching the lives of people in Moscow big time now. And uh, he hasn't been able to uh, now hold on to this fiction that this uh, was a just war. And don't you think, uh, Madam Secretary, that if Vladimir Putin wanted to show strength and could, he would. We haven't seen him since Saturday morning. He went to St. Petersburg when the attack took place. And then he goes, and now today, we're, we're looking at Monday, time zone adjusted, nothing. We just have some statement put out that a couple of countries still recognize Vladimir Putin, a, 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 a missive of support from China. You've met him. Yeah. Would you? How would you characterize what the guy you know from how he's acting? Well, he has always been or had always been confident. He wanted to have an air of invincibility. Uh, he was the only option uh, for the Russian people. And this is an incredibly weak response. Uh, first of all, to make the deal after you've said that this was treason, uh, you were going to uh, have these criminals pay, et cetera, et cetera. And then you make a deal to let uh, uh, Prigozhin go to, to Belarus. By the way, if I were Prigozhin, I'd be careful about open windows, and I'd be careful about uh, anything that might taste slightly metallic. He, uh, Putin will not, I think, let uh, Prigozhin 
uh, live for terribly long because he remains a threat as long as he's alive. But the other thing that I have to say about this is, uh, yes, where where is Putin? I suspect they're trying to get their act together. They're trying to figure out what is the explanation for having made this deal. But the longer that he doesn't speak to it, the more social media right. and the the chatter in Moscow uh, is really uh, overwhelming everything, and he's losing control of the narrative. And now. I'm sure you saw how he, how the Wagner Group was retrieved in Roscoff, and then through the towns as they just move through all of them, they shoot down three choppers, right. and they just stop uh, 175 or 200 miles from uh, from Moscow. So we we know that already. But my sense is this: if he does go to Belarus. I'm sure he's got his guys with him to a degree, don't you think? I'm sure he does. But <clears throat> Vladimir Putin has shown the incredible ability to uh, hunt down his uh, enemies. And so I think he will. Be, I, I just but can't the best believe. guys in the country seem to be on the Wagner group. Well, the Wagner group is spread out around the world. Remember, they've got people in Syria. They've got people in, in Africa. Africa. And so uh, a lot of these uh, Wagner group folks who were fighting uh, soldiers who were fighting in Ukraine were prisoners who were taken out of the prisons and put right. forward. They're fierce and they are brutal. But how good they are, I don't know. I just I just think that for Putin, uh, this is uh, chapter one. He effectively lost chapter one. Now he's got to figure out how he uh, wins the next one. And here I completely agree with Joaquin. The last thing that he can do is say, well, yes, they're right. The war in Ukraine was a mistake. Ukraine, Ukraine war now is the war that could make him Nicholas I. Now, who was Nicholas I? He was the Tsar that lost the Crimean War and started the downward slide of the Russian Empire. And so uh, with all of his history, and right. he is a history buff, with all of his history in his mind, you know, Brian, he once told me, uh, <clears throat> the only time Russia has been great is when it's been ruled by great men like Peter the Great and Alexander II. That's who he thought he was. Uh, he's in great danger now of just being a failed Tsar, and uh, that's got to worry him. It, it does. Sometimes I think... You know, he looks back. He was part of the G7, G8. He was part of the family of nations. People were trying to get him going economically. You know, look at Bill Browder. It's just with Hermitage Capital. They killed McGinsky and all these things. He goes, yeah, we were all over there making money. We thought they they did. Right. We're making a sincere effort towards a degree of capitalism. Right. At one point, somehow either he changed or his objectives were never as they appeared. Well, he certainly was a nationalist from the very beginning. I think once the Soviet Union collapsed as a young KGB officer, he was humiliated by that. He decided eventually he'd get to rebuild the Russian Empire. That, I think, was was there. I do think that uh, he valued his role in the world. I I remember, Brian, when he made all of us, uh, the President of the United States, the Chancellor of Germany, come to the 300th celebration of the founding of St. Petersburg. And it was this huge thing with, you know, people spray-painted gold. He he loved being on the international right. stage. Uh, he's now turning his country into a large North Korea, back at the borders of Peter the Great. This is why you're hearing these, well, mm. Qatar supports us, China supports us, because he's still trying to 
have that image that he matters in international right. politics. Right, and uh, one thing they did is something that Trump wasn't able to do, get them off, Nord- get them off free, uh, cheap Russian oil and gas. Yeah. Nordstrom 1 is now blown up and Nordstrom 2 will never happen, even though Joe Biden had given in right. and said, well, it's almost done anyway. I'm just going to share this with you. The main intelligence directorate of the Ukraine reported that Russia is considering an attack on the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant. Russia's troops have turned the plant into a heavily fortified military base. The reactor's cooling system is uh, is mined. Yeah. So we'll to see if they try to change the subject. Yeah. But how do you feel, Condi, uh, about us getting the attackums they need, the F-16s they asked for, and stop fearing escalation? They started this war. We can't lose it. Ukraine can't lose it. Brian, you're absolutely right. I've said all along that I think the Biden administration has has done the right things too slowly. So instead of anticipating that the Ukrainians were going to need air defenses, we waited until the Russians were using missile attacks. Said no patriot, then gave them patriots. Then gave them patriots. We said no tanks, then gave them tanks. Now it's aircraft, uh, fighter aircraft. Oh, well, now we'll give them to them. So we've not anticipated what was coming and been all in in giving uh, equipment to Ukraine. It's time to really double down. And by the way, I just want to say this to the internal debate in the United States. Anybody who thinks that now the uh, the United States supporting Ukraine all out is the wrong policy just has to look at what's happening in Russia today. This is an historic moment for the world. If you want to tell teach Xi Jinping a lesson about Western power, about the ability to control events in the international system. If you want to say, oh, by the way, Afghanistan, we yes, that humiliation in Afghanistan, forget about that. Look at what we're doing in Ukraine. If you want to say NATO is stronger with Finland and Sweden, this is our moment, don't back down now. But the problem is the President of the United States doesn't explain it, why it matters to the U.S., and but one thing about you guys, you say constantly, this is what Iraq means. This is what it could mean. I don't care where you stand on it. We had an explanation. But I feel like General Jack Keane and Lindsey Graham are doing a better job explaining why it's important than the president and secretary of state because this is what it means to the West. I thought Jack Keane put it perfect. By using 5% of our military budget, we have degraded Russia over 50%. It's probably over that. And on their choice, they are one of our chief enemies in the world. And we've knocked a hole in the relationship without limits between Xi Jinping and Putin. Right. You know, when people say, well, we should be concentrating on China. Well, this gives us uh, a lot of leverage also in reminding China that uh, the United States and its allies can be quite formidable. And oh, by the way, the Ukrainians aren't asking for American boots on the ground. They're asking us to give them the equipment to fight this fight. Right. And they're trying to kill. So they're trying to blow up hospitals and kill civilians because they can't beat the Ukrainian war. Lastly, is the State Department capable of facing down China all around the world with this Belt and Road program? Shouldn't they be fanned out in Guatemala? Shouldn't they be fanned out in Brazil and in Colombia and in uh, throughout Africa and provide an alternative? Empty that building. Get these people out to let them know we're not looking to extort you. We're looking to support you. And what the Belt and Road program is, this can't be a one-person job. And that vision's got to be explained, don't you think? We need to be much more active in this way because the Chinese are not actually giving these people a very good deal. They get a lot of debt, and if they can't pay it back, the Chinese claim the port. We have a much better deal. We will help you build an economy where you will get jobs for your people, 
where there will be foreign investment, where your economy will grow. Uh, we did something like this in the Bush administration uh, when we gave lots of assistance through the Millennium Challenge Corporation to countries to build their economies. And oh, by the way, the President's Emergency Plan for AIDS Relief, which saved 25 million lives, that's still uh, something that is greatly appreciated in Africa. America, when it leads with power, compassion, and creativity, uh, China will be no no match. But you're right. We are, we are not out there in the way that we need to be, particularly, by the way, in places like Latin America, which are in our backyard. Right. And we can't ignore and the great chance to re, reprogram our manufacturing. Yes. I don't want to get involved in politics that they'll be demeaning you, but – uh, for the for the most part, what concerns you most about the state of our country right now? What concerns me most about the state of the country right now is that Americans are losing um, faith in their own institutions. Uh, our founding fathers gave us the greatest institutions ever bequeathed to humankind. I mean, they're remarkable. And yet you have people who want to say those institutions are elitist and they're not for you. And we have others who say, oh, they're soiled by slavery and so don't believe in them. Uh, We have young people, and I teach some of them, uh, who don't actually know the difference between socialism and capitalism. And so they say, well, socialism doesn't sound so bad. We're doing a terrible job, uh, Brian, of telling the American story, of telling the possibilities of the American story to bring yourself from whatever circumstances you have in life uh, to better circumstances. Our educational system is failing our poorest kids. We've just seen these reports of of what's happening to math scores and to English scores. What worries me more... For the people that need it most. For for the people that need it most. What worries me most is uh, what we're doing to ourselves. Uh, We we need to, to refocus again on uh, on America's promise. Fixable? Fixable. But we've got to start doing it. And we've got to challenge those who say that America is not a land of opportunity. What greater land of opportunity is there on the earth? And you're somebody who grew up in the segregated South. And, I grew up and in you the, feel I, that way. I grew up in the segregated South. I don't look at America with rose-colored glasses. But I'll tell you something. I've been all over the world. Nobody deals better with difference than the United States of America. Nobody gives opportunity to those who are different like the United States of America. And it's the reason we are the great country that we are, is that despite our history, despite all of the uh, problems that we've had in our history, we keep working brick by brick, step by step, to make we the people a more inclusive concept. And we've done a lot. We've got more to do. But uh, I just – I really reject – the idea that this is not the land of opportunity. And I get worried selling the 250 years of America's past yes. that we're not going to celebrate it. and It's only a couple of yes. years away. Yes. Uh, Mr. Secretary, thanks so much for coming in. It's always great to see you. Great to be with you. All right. I only wish I could have had a professor like you over. I could have gotten <laughs> into Stanford with my grades. That was the problem. Great to see you. Great to see you too, Brian. The Will Cain Show is now dropping five episodes a week. Join Fox and Friends weekend host Will Cain as he tackles the latest headlines from his unique perspective, along with thought-provoking interviews with leading figures and live calls from viewers and listeners. Listen wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.